often. Faith becomes more about who is in and who is out or about who belongs and who does not. But in order for spirituality to be good for anyone, it has to be good for everyone. In this podcast, we find incredible people using their faith and life as a catalyst for goodness in this world. Be inspired to discover your own goodness in order to make your life, your family, your community, and your world better. Hey friends, great to be with you today. My name is Matt Kinzera. I am your host for the Chasing Goodness podcast. Thanks for joining me today. We've spent a lot of time over the years on this podcast just talking about some of the challenges that we've run into with religion. I mean, certainly in more modern times, but really throughout the history of religion and Christianity, I guess, as, as more specifically. And we also talk a great deal about, you know, how do we use what it is that we do believe? How do we use that for good? And how do we use that to produce good in this world? I've always been interested and connected to faith for as far back as I can remember. Like I can't remember a time in my life where faith didn't matter to me. You know, you know how you have those memories that are super way back, like when you're two, three years old, like when I have those memories, a lot of those memories are mean being at church and really enjoying it. You know, it's like the mystery of it, the hope that can be found in it, all of it, you know, those things that attract you to faith are truly lovely. I don't think I've ever met a person. I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but I don't think I've ever met a person who's like, <laughs> I came to faith and then list off some really horrific reason that they did it, right? It's always because they find grace or they find forgiveness or they find hope. And I think that's beautiful and that's wonderful. But as I got a little bit older, I engaged in my faith because I truly believed, and I still, on some level, I guess, still truly believe that in faith, you can find the answers to so much of the hurt in our world. That's just something that's really important to me, specific to faith, but just in general. Like I struggle when people hurt and I struggle when our world hurts. And one of my biggest draws toward faith, specifically Christianity, is just because I, I believe that there's some answers to be found there. I believe that there's some answers that can be found that can help alleviate some of the hurt in our world. So if grace is real, it should change us and it should change our world. If love is the foundation of our faith, it should, I think, make everything better. And that's kind of what I, what I mean when I say that. So when I really started to engage in my faith, I believed with all my heart that by doing that, it would create goodness in this world. And by doing that, if we all work together, it could really make the world a better place. And, you know, if Jesus was on any level who we claim him to be, then following him should radically change everything. Again, that's, that's just always kind of been my perspective in my faith. The problem, however, and this is a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. I guess it's a fair amount of what we're going to talk about today. The problem is that faith and religion, it just has this horrible track record throughout history. And that's something we can't ignore. Now, sure, sure, don't, don't hear me wrong. Faith and religion also have been the bearers of a lot of beauty, like a lot of beautiful parts about our history can also be traced to faith and can also be traced to religion. So I'm not discounting that at all, right? But who are we kidding? There have been far more problems when we think historically in our world than there have been good things that have come out of it. And maybe I'm off on that and you can let me know. Reach out to me and let me know if you think I'm, I'm crazy on this. But since I just spend, I mean, way too much time thinking about this, I mean, 
if you'd ever talk to my wife, she'd tell you, Matt is just always up in his head. He's always thinking. And so since I think so much about this and, and when I'm like caught in thought so many times, this is what it's about. It's about hurting our world. It's about faith, you know, things like that. And I want to identify. So here's what I want to do today. I want to make Matt's feeble attempt to identify what I believe to be some of the core reasons that faith, at least in the Christian faith, because that's what I understand the most, not that I don't have an understanding of other religions, but Christianity is, it's, it's as, Je- as Jennifer Knapp said, it's my native language, right? And so I want to just talk about some of the core reasons that faith, at least in Christianity, that has caused this struggle. Just identifying a few, and we're just going to talk about three today. I'm going to, I'm going to drop this down to three. We're going to talk about three reasons that Christianity has really struggled to bring about goodness in this world. Now, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you've certainly heard some of this alluded to and some of the things that we talk about today or that I talk about today, they're not going to be a big shock or surprise to you if you've been a follower, if you've been listening, if you've been engaging in these conversations, but I've never taken the time to like put them all together, like say, here's, here's the top three. And so that's really what I'm going to try to do today. I'm just going to, I just feel it's important to, you know, based on (laughs) the immense amount of time I've spent thinking about this, I just want to give you a top three list here, top three list of the things I feel like regarding Christianity that are causing a lot of hurt in this world. And I think that if we can get over these things, I think if we can stop engaging in our faith in this way, that then the byproduct of that will be more goodness in this world that's directly tied to our faith. So maybe this can give us a little direction on how we can move forward. So let's jump in. All right, the first, and these are no particular order, okay? I think it's 1A, 1B, and 1C, right? They're all going to be important. But the first thing I want to bring up is this thinking that there's a right way to believe. Now, most of you know, if you've listened to this podcast, that I grew up Catholic, and I loved growing up Catholic. But let me tell you, when I was growing up Catholic, I was surrounded by a group of people and an organized religion, an organized faith, And these people certainly believe that Catholics were then and are now (laughs) better than everybody else, right? They were more correct. They had the right way to believe. I mean, they would lay claim, and I think they still do on some level, like lay claim to the saints and the disciples as if they're their own. I can remember conversations with people about how, you know, with Catholic people who believe that, you know, Peter wasn't just the foundation of the church, but the foundation of the Catholic church more specifically, right? There's something about wonderful Catholic people who just, just want to own it all. Like this is ours. There's, this is, we started it. And then people just got crazy after that. But that's kind of the feeling (laughs) that I got. And let me tell you, I love my my Catholic brothers and sisters, I am so drawn to Catholicism still to this day. This past Christmas, my wife and I went to a Catholic midnight mass in downtown Chicago, and it was one of the most moving faith experiences I've had in a long time. So I'm not I'm not cutting on the Catholic Church. I'm just telling you that when I was a part of the Catholic Church, there was definitely an overtone of that. It's like, we got it right, right? We know what is true. But then moving into evangelical circles, and so I did this, I think the first time I ever went to a non-Catholic church was when I was maybe about 20 years old. 
And moving into that space, I mean, they're not, <laughs> they don't even try to hide it. There's this unashamed, unhidden belief that their interpretation, this modern evangelical interpretation of the Bible, especially when it comes to salvation, is the right way. You don't even have to guess if they think that. They'll tell you. And so I've been surrounded by people of faith who believe they're right my whole life. And, and I totally went along with it both when I was Catholic and when I was in the evangelical circles, because I just had this this thought process. I've never considered myself like a scholar or anything like that or a theologian, far from it. And as much as I like to read and I like to study, like I'm not one of those people that always wants to be researching or any, or anything like that. And so I just figured that there were these smart scholars who figured it out. That was kind of my thought process as I was both growing up Catholic and when I was like early in the evangelical church. I just assumed that there were some people that had figured it out. Now, if we look through history, if I could have just thought to maybe I should look through history and, and see how this is going. But if we look through history, we should definitely find some space for pause in this type of thinking. Why? Because every new form of Christianity has believed they were right in some way, shape, or form. But then someone else comes along down the line a little bit farther and they have the new right kind of thinking. <laughs> and then, you know, thousands upon thousands, denominations, etc. Even now, as like so many of us are struggling with the modern evangelical movement and so many people are doing this thing we're calling deconstruction and kind of moving away from, from this system that so many of us were a part of for so long. Like even now, as we move away from that, there's this temptation and you're even starting to see it that, that this new progressive thinking is like the new right way to think. <laughs> Come on now. Let's I mean, you think that we've suddenly just arrived, that's how this is going to work? Like there's always going to be new thoughts, there's always going to be new theologies, and unfortunately, it seems like somebody's always claiming them to be the right. Like we've got the corner on the truth. We've figured it out. Boom, it took a while, but now we've got it. Everybody else was wrong. Today we figured it out. Now, I agree that Martin Luther had some super valid reasons for leaving the Catholic Church. Not coming against that. I believe that so many denominations had good, solid ways of thinking behind their formation. And honestly, like so did the evangelical movement in many ways. There was some, some goodness in the desire that was, I guess, in their formation. Not all of it. <laughs> there wasn't all goodness. There was a lot of question marks on a lot of these, but there's certainly some level of goodness in this, the foundation of a lot of these denominations. But we can see that each new right, that's in quotations, I'm doing a little air quotes there, each new right way of thinking simply leaves the door wide open for the next group of people who have a more correct way of believing. And here's why this is a problem. It's okay if you think you're right, whatever. But here's why this is a problem. The problem with this type of thinking is that if I'm right, then somebody else is wrong. So it gives this I'm right and you're wrong type of thinking. And what that does is it creates unhealthy hierarchies 
in our religions, in our thoughts of faith. And everybody sees that differently, right? The Catholics think they're on top of the hierarchy. The Methodists think they're on top of the hierarchy. The Pentecostals think they're on top of the hierarchy. The Evangelicals think they're on top of the hierarchy. So it's not even like a, it's, it's just, it just like, like everybody thinks they're on top and it creates this real unhealthy culture real unhealthy religious culture. And goodness, here's the thing, and this is why we're talking about it. Goodness cannot live within unhealthy hierarchies. I'm pretty sure I don't have to give you any examples of that. So this thinking that there's a right way to believe, it's created some really unhealthy hierarchies and we're living in them right now. And there's no way that goodness can live within that. Let's not forget to bring Jesus into the conversation here. He never seemed to care much at all about a right way to believe. And I'm sure people could argue with me on that point, but I'm pretty confident of it. I don't think Jesus was going around trying to teach us what was right as far as a way to believe. He just really didn't seem to care about it, my opinion. His teachings and lessons were far more about how to live as opposed to how to believe, which is a very different thing. The next thing I think that has historically and currently gotten in the way of faith leading to goodness is believing that the Bible is some sort of magical answer book. Doesn't it seem like we so easily become different versions of what we hate? I see that so many times, right? It's cyclical. We so often slip into becoming a different version of that thing that we hate. The reason I bring this up, the Old Testament Jewish religious culture was one that worked really, really hard to follow the letter of the law. You don't have to read too much of the Old Testament to see that being true. I mean, they took the Torah as the absolute truth. And we don't have to look very hard to see that Jesus wasn't too excited about this way of thinking. He was constantly, like if you'd say, like, what's one thing Jesus did over and over and over? He was constantly challenging this way of thinking, specifically with the Pharisees, over and over and over. I mean, he would do things like purposely healing people on the Sabbath. He would speak directly against cleanliness laws and openly criticize, and I mean openly criticize, this type of thinking. And here we are a couple thousand years post-Jesus with a predominant religious thought that the Bible is without error and we're trying to follow it to the letter of the law. Just like the Old Testament Jewish people did, the Israelites, just like the Pharisees did. Seems like we're doing the same thing that Jesus came so strongly against. Let me put it this way. A while back, I interviewed uh, a gentleman. His name was Joshua Harris. And you probably recognize that name if you've if you grew up in the evangelical circles and you're roughly around my age, I'm in my mid forties. So you probably recognize the name Joshua Harris because he wrote the book, I kiss dating goodbye. So after I interviewed him, I remember telling some of my friends like Joshua is just one of the most genuine, kind, loving, wonderful, humble human beings. He's just, he's just lovely. This kind human being wrote something down that at the time, he believed to be true. So much so, he believed it so much so that he took the time to write a whole book about it. And that's no small feat. However, 
now, and it wasn't just on my podcast that he talked about this. He's all over the place talking about this. Now he looks back and he sees the harm that his thinking and his belief caused. And he's openly said this, as I said, many times over that he no longer stands or believes what it is that he wrote down. The Bible was written by regular human beings like you and me, like Joshua Harris, not some sort of extra enlightened life form. Sometimes I think we feel that way. Like some of these biblical authors are these special enlightened ones. They're just normal human beings. And have you ever just sat back and wondered if Paul was around a day and he saw how people were treating his writings as the absolute truth directly from God? Do you ever wonder if maybe he would cringe at that? (laughs) I wonder if he would like sit back and say, I wrote that letter when I was in a really dark place and I was pretty pissed off at some people. I'm not really proud of what I said or how I said it. And I'm a little sad that it's caused as much hurt as it has. Do you ever think that maybe Paul would think that just like Joshua Harris does? Isn't that a more plausible thought than believing that every word out of Paul's mouth or any of the other authors of the Bible out of their mouths or from their pens, I should say, from their quills, every word was somehow God-ordained? And I mean, what about David? It's like we get to see all of his private journal entries in the Psalms. And they've also become, in air quotes, the word of God. I wonder what he would say. He'd be like, yeah, I was really struggling even to believe in God at that point. And I just wrote it down. I didn't think people were actually going to be reading it. Oh, boy. <laughs> like, he'd probably, be, he'd probably be sitting back saying, you definitely shouldn't put that one on God. That was just me spouting off. The Bible is much more beautiful and I think much more helpful When we keep in mind that it was written by normal human beings, not normal, perfect human beings, normal, normal human beings who make mistakes just like you and I do. And if I sat down and wrote a book or wrote a letter, there's going to be mistakes in that letter. I don't care how many times I go over it. Have you ever been reading a book by a published author and you find a spelling error? Like even after going through editor and editor and editor, sometimes we still have even spelling errors in that, let alone like thought errors (laughs) so it's just normal human beings and oh oh and let's not forget that the bible was organized and put together by a bunch of men with agendas they had a reason why they're putting together in the way that they did do you really think god never spoke to a woman in a way that should have been included in the bible do you really think that's the type of god that we're trying to serve here i I really don't Seems pretty short-sighted, if you ask me, that God would just think, oh yeah, the things we really need to hear, I'm going to say them through men. That makes way more sense. In my life, I get way more wisdom from the women in my life, no offense, friends of mine, from the women in my life than I often do from the men. So I sure wish we had more writings in the Bible from women. So if we believe that the Bible is some sort of magical answer book, Then suddenly, and here's where we get into trouble, then suddenly people who don't fit into the narrative of what we believe is happening in this magical book, if they don't fit in the narrative, suddenly they're viewed as the other or even worse as less than. Because if the Bible is without error and I convince myself that I have the right belief system around it, going back to the first point, then Things like my oppression of women, my oppression of people of color, my oppression of people who are not straight, or my oppression of people who don't consider themselves Christians can be easily justified. Because after all, 
This isn't my thought. This isn't Paul's thought. This isn't David's thought. This is God's thinking. And if the God of the universe says that's the way it is, well, then who am I to come against that? You see, you see how ugly that is? No goodness, friends, no goodness can come out of this type of thinking. I'm convinced of it. Only hurt and destruction can come out of this type of thinking. Number three of my top three things that are keeping us from doing goodness in the world because of our faith is this belief that hell is a place for people who are not good enough or who don't believe the right way. Again, going back to number one. Now, I do not believe in a literal hell. That's me, okay? But that does not mean it doesn't exist. Just because Matt doesn't believe in it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That's just my personal thought, my personal opinion. It's just my belief. It doesn't have to be yours. You can still listen to this podcast if you think hell is a literal place. Please do, by all means. Isn't grace, though, possible without a hell? Do we really need a hell, a place of eternal torment, Do we really need that in order for grace to be real? Can a loving God and eternal punishment coexist? This is where I get stuck, friends. Can a loving God, can we believe in a loving God and also believe in eternal punishment for those who don't do good enough or believe right? Can those two things coexist? And just to be honest, like it does not make any sense in my mind. I cannot make any logical sense of that in my mind. But again, I'm not saying that I'm right. Just my opinion, just what I've gone through in life, just my thought processes being spoken out loud. The reason this finds its way into my top three is that if we believe this way, we create such fertile ground for trying to determine who is in and who is out. And that is dangerous ground to be standing on. One of my favorite quotes, (laughs) one of my favorite quotes on this is in, in the book of Matthew, when Jesus says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you've made them twice as much a child of hell as you are. (laughs) Come on. Jesus is awesome. Uh, He just like... I mean, sometimes we just sugarcoat him way too much because he's just letting them have it. I don't, I, I just, read all of Matthew 23. If you, want a, if you want a good laugh at Jesus just like throwing down, read Matthew 23. I don't think Jesus thought of heaven and hell and salvation like many Christians do today. And as soon as we start believing that some people are going to heaven and some people are going to hell, we run into some really big problems in regards to doing goodness in our world. And of course, <laughs> and of course, we always conveniently believe that we're in the group that's going to heaven, right? Like you're never going to believe a way that puts you in the hell group. You're always like the Pharisees going to believe that, that you're the heaven crew, you know? <laughs> in the same rant, like I said in Matthew 23, like Jesus over and over and over just calling the Pharisees hypocrites. I mean, seriously, maybe just pause this podcast and read it because it's that good. Heaven and hell, it, it, just, it just brings out the best of the hypocrite. Brings out the best of all the hypocrites. And in hypocrisy, here it is, hypocrisy cannot bring about goodness. It just can't. For example, how can a person who believes bad people are going to hell 
advocate for the death penalty. If that person is so bad or does not believe the right way, then by wanting to kill that person, aren't we quite literally in our mind sending them straight to hell? And doesn't that seem like pretty extreme punishment no matter what they did? Even if you do want to go with the eye for an eye idea, like that's not eye for an eye. That's like way worse. <laughs> the, the criminal gets the worst end of that deal because it's eternal tor torment and punishment. I don't mean to giggle at this, but as I say it out loud, it just sounds so ludicrous to me sometimes. <laughs> I, if you're my friend, you've been in a room when I've gotten on these rants before. And I could share so many more examples of how I think this is, this is problematic. I just really don't believe many people actually believe this. Even if you say you believe this, I don't believe, I don't believe you. I, I really don't believe you. Here's why I don't believe you. If we really believe that people were going to spend eternity in hell, if they don't think the right way. And if we also had any, I mean, any little bit of goodness in our hearts, wouldn't we commit our entire lives to saving people from this horrible hell? I mean, wouldn't we be trying to beg, borrow and steal people into the kingdom of heaven? I mean, do whatever it takes. I mean, we don't want people going to hell. How could we ever go to work for eight hours a day or spend three hours watching a football game on a Sunday if we thought our neighbor, coworker, or family member is going to hell? Like, there's no way a good person could do that. That's why I actually don't think many people really, really believe that. So this idea of who's in and who's out, that type of thinking, and again, historically speaking especially, this type of thinking has gotten us into so much trouble over the years. I mean, wars have been started over this kind of stuff. I, people have been killed over this kind of stuff. We really, we really got to be careful with this. And I believe that any type of belief that is saying one group of people or one person is in or out and the other person is not, you know, saying I'm in, you're out, this person's in, that person's out, that group's in, that group's out, that type of thinking, it's just ripe for hardship, ripe for hurt, ripe for total, just destructive actions. It, there's just no other way to put it. And there's no way that we can see true goodness happen in the midst of a I'm in, you're out type of mentality. I don't believe that's even possible. So there you go. There you go. I just, I got a little excited on that last one. The, the three things that I believe are really keeping us in a religious sense, in a faith sense, from doing good, the things that are getting in the way, these prominent thoughts, these prominent beliefs are number one, thinking that there's actually a right way to believe. Number two, believing that the Bible is some sort of magical answer book. And then number three, believing that hell is a place for people who are not good enough or who do not believe the right way. Boom. There you go. These seem to be beliefs that contradict the goodness that Jesus stood for. What did I miss? What I know I missed something, right? What did I miss? Let me know so maybe somewhere down the line we can do a part two because I'm sure this was not in any way, shape, or form comprehensive and it wasn't meant to be. So please reach out to me, Instagram, Facebook, send me a message. Let me know what I missed and what we have to add the next time we do a podcast like this. I'm not for a second saying that Christianity can't bring about goodness. I believe with all my heart that it can. I think our faith can absolutely lead to goodness. That's why we do this podcast. I totally believe that the world can be better because of the faith that we believe, because the way we believe in the divine. I really believe that. These are just three things to me 
that really seem to be preventing that from happening. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. Again, would love to hear your thoughts. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Matt Kinzera. It's super helpful if you subscribe to this podcast, give it a five-star rating, and write a review. And until next time, let's keep chasing goodness together.